the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Ah, yes, indeed he is. They checked his ID at the door. They let me in anyway. (laughs) Security, good afternoon. Welcome. Great to have you with us. It is a Thursday, the 12th day of July. And trust you've had a great week so far and going to ease you into your Thursday evening with some, uh, quite frankly, honest conversation. So honest that I might suggest if you've got young ears with an earshot, you might want to busy them in another room. We're going to deal with a topic that, quite frankly, is not only plaguing the American family, but American society today to alarming degrees. And we hear more and more of it. In fact, as recent as this week on Monday, Harvey Weinstein, remember him, the Hollywood producer? Well, he appeared in court pleading not guilty to three new counts filed by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Now, last week, these three new charges have been filed against the ex-Weinstein company producer, stemming from a new victim who says Weinstein attacked her in 2006. An additional count of criminal sexual act in the first degree for forcible sexual act and two counts of predatory sexual assault. Wow. So far... More than 84 women have come forward to point the finger of accusation at Weinstein. And it all perhaps begs the question, how does something like this go so far? Upwards of nearly 100 abusers, really? Or in the case of Bill Cosby, accusations that span not years but decades? Are these two cases the exception? Or are they perhaps in a more sinister fashion representative of the rule? Why do men behave like this. Nurture, nature, the environment, learned behavior, or almost savage instinct. Well, the Word tells us, in the most straightforward of terms, that the heart of man is desperately wicked, and who can know it? Today, we deal with this very sticky, complicated, uncomfortable, embarrassing, shameful, confusing issue of human sexuality, and most importantly, what happens when it goes awry outside of God's ideal and the impact, not just on destroying families and individual lives, but quite frankly, even having an impact on society as a whole. Pastor Clay Allen joins us today in studio, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry founded along with his wife, Susan. He's the author of Operation Destiny, an intensive restoration curriculum is designed to equip and train churches to boldly and yet confidently and compassionately help men break free from the habitual misuse of sex while discovering and experiencing their God-designed Destinies and Clay, good to see you again. Thank you, Craig. Great to be here. Wow, this is the proverbial onion being unfolded layer by layer by layer. And you know, it was one thing when we looked at issues such as the divorce rate in America or uh, complaints of women uh, who have made accusations against men for uh, abusive behavior in a date, rape, 
the whole nine yards, and now we're seeing more and more of these high-profile cases where seemingly heretofore, at least in the case of perhaps Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, that they felt maybe because they were people in positions of authority and power, they were potentially career makers or career breakers, that they thought they could get away with it. Seemingly, though, the, the ugly, horrific underbelly of all of this behavior now pushed to the surface where it's got everybody talking, from the Me Too movement to what we see going on in dialogues on television about maybe finally saying America's got a problem here and we need to stop and take note. Absolutely. And with uh, all the compassion and love I can say in my heart is this has been going on for some time and I believe that there's an awakening going on right now where God is allowing this to be revealed He loves us too much to leave us the way that we are if we're struggling with something that's negative in a sexual way or uh, as somebody who has unfortunately been betrayed uh, by their husband. uh, He doesn't want her to continue in that that painful, painful betrayal. Sexuality is something that has been created by very God himself for certainly procreation, for pleasure within the confines of uh, the marriage union. And yet we've seen down through literally since the Garden of Eden a distortion of this, um, a manipulation of this by the enemy to the point where today it's almost impossible for the average individual to really be able to say what a healthy, God-honoring, God-ordained sexual life looks like compared to the distortions that we see that are being promoted Film, television, music, movies, entertainment of every sort. It seems as if everywhere you turn, there is the ruination. I was going to use another word, but I want to be sensitive here. The ruination of God's ideal. Yeah, absolutely. And when you see what I call toxic sex, uh, which is any kind of sex outside of the definition God has for it and intended. By the way, God did invent the very best sex in the entire universe. And that's the irony of men who misuse sex uh, when they're thinking that they're going to go get a a thrill or it's exciting or, as you point out, with uh, celebrities, uh, there's a control factor that's very uh, intoxicating. They miss out on the very best sex that could be possibly experienced between themselves and their wife, um, uh, which is what God invented and intended for us to experience. And yet in our culture... As you have well pointed out, there's a dumbing down of this into a selfishness as opposed to selflessness. And that's the key in all of this is that when we start to behave the way Jesus taught us to, which is to be selfless, and we give ourselves, we get so much more in return. But that's counterintuitive, isn't it? Uh, you know, pornography in particular is all about you being the director, star, and uh, and and uh, of your own little movie in a fantasy world that uh, can't go wrong, right? Until it, of course, explodes in your face and uh, leads to other things. So, yeah, there's a cheapening. Um, I would say that any kind of toxic sex is also a counterfeit sex uh, in a huge way because what ultimately sex is intended for is the expression of true intimacy. And so one who gets involved in toxic sex is uh, not only not experiencing true intimacy, but they, they buy into this counterfeit. And the counterfeit is very, very destructive because it starts to become a way that we think. 
And then as we think and our mind starts going to that altered state, we start to uh, relate to it. We want more of it. God designed us to be visual as men. And so all of a sudden, we get into this very, very uh, compulsive uh, lifestyle of wanting more and more of the wrong thing. And, of course, it never is static. It never stays put. Uh, We always want more in frequency or intensity as time goes on. And I even made a chart of this because I dealt with so many men, I kept seeing the same pattern. And I wanted to know, um, uh, to show somebody who gets into this a very easy way uh, to explain it. So as I speak at uh, pastors' conventions and so forth, um, I show this chart. And it's very easy to understand how somebody gets into this, how they accelerate in it, how they keep it a secret, why they keep it a secret, and how you could go, as you've already pointed out, uh, somebody who is famous, how could you possibly go from point A to point disaster in a nanosecond uh, or over a period of time? And it's all because you get into this tractor beam and um, everything starts to accelerate. We're visiting today in studio with Pastor Clay Allen. He, as I mentioned, is the founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry founded along with his wife, Susan. And we're going to be continuing our dialogue on this topic. And I I might stop here for a moment and say, if you know someone who needs to hear this, realizing this is a sensitive issue, but perhaps there's somebody out there that you know that either has an issue within the family or within themselves that they're struggling with, and you believe they need to hear this, I would just encourage you to pick up the phone and invite them to tune in to AM 1100 and give a listen to our dialogue today. We're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, answering the question, this counterfeit, why is it as seemingly prolific as it is, and where do we point the blame for its genesis, or can we? as our conversation continues here on the Thursday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our conversation. Pastor Clay Allen with us today in studio. More information, by the way, and we'll get into a little bit deeper to many of the services available, but you can get more information if you jot down this website. It's avenue.works. And you say, well, Craig, what's the rest of it? No, that's it. Avenue.works, Okay. And as we continue our conversation with Pastor Clay Allen, I want to come to this notion that some people struggle with, and that is that where do we find the genesis for all of this? We're trying to lay blame in order to sort of, you know, point the fire hose at the base of the fire. Where do we find that? There's so so much counterfeit out there. And as we were mentioning, play off the air, it's seemingly so prolific that you can say, well, today there are distortions that are being taught at home, school, Church, Hollywood, Madison Avenue, social media, the Internet, so many ways in which we are bombarded with the counterfeit that some people must wonder, I don't even know anymore, where do I go to find out what the real deal looks like? My parents had a horribly dysfunctional relationship. My dad cheated. My mother was into pornography or the other way around these days. And so in my own marriage, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something that our younger generation is aching for, mentoring in, that, in, this, uh, in this area, this topic. Um, that, uh, I, I would say the very first place uh, to go is the Bible and understanding the heart of God when it comes to this topic. Uh, I mentioned it before, but it, it bears repeating. Uh, the world tells you to be selfish, everything about you, right? 
Um, God's way is to be selfless, the opposite of that. It's better to give than to receive. This is something very difficult for most men to understand. Um, However, uh, I will tell you from personal experience and helping thousands and thousands of men that when they understand this counterintuitive principle that God laid out in the Bible, and it's a law, it's actually like gravity, when, you don't have to believe it, <laughs> but it's true. And when you practice it, what ends up happening is your your mind literally gets changed uh, about it because you start to see and experience what God always had in store for you, which is a fulfillment of what I call a God-shaped puzzle piece in our soul. We all have it. It's that thing that's missing that only God can fill And we always try, in the world's perspective, to fill it with something other than God and his purpose for our life. And so it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be gambling. Uh, For a lot of guys, it's sex because we're visual and it's everywhere, right? So when when we're in this selfish mode and the world is telling us, the schools and movies, as you point out so well, that... You are to go and get. In fact, sports. I grew up in the sports world. And so uh, every guy's you know, life surrounds going and getting the girl, right? And the more you get, the more you're looked up at as a hero. Well, uh, that selfish mindset will motivate one to go through the cycle of brokenness faster and faster and faster until you get to the point where you say, all right, enough is enough, and I want help or I want out. I want God's help. Uh, Maybe somebody comes along and says, hey, you know what? There's a better way to live than this. And you start to understand this principle of selflessness. And, you know, the greatest example in the world, of course, is Jesus, who died on the cross so that we can be forgiven, we can be set free. Well, if we start to treat people that same way, where we're selfless, uh, I tell men as they go through, the very first thing I tell a man, because uh, they usually come to us in a crisis, Uh, Their wife has kicked them out, about to kick them out. They're looking at legal issues, perhaps. They're uh, maybe financial loss of job. The very, very first thing I tell them is if you want any chance of saving your life as you know it or your marriage or your finances, your position, whatever it is, you have to adopt the mindset of being a man of no rights. This is so hard for guys. Uh, that have tried so desperately to be a man of rights uh, to adopt this mindset. However, if you're desperate and you're facing a catastrophe right in front of you, this becomes actually quite easy to adopt the mindset of a man of no rights. It's a surrendering to God. It's a surrendering to his ways, help, uh, allowing other men to help you, following a path that perhaps has already been laid out for you to, for help. When a man adopts this uh, mindset, that he is to be selfless. All of a sudden, God says, oh, I can actually work with this guy. And all of a sudden, he starts, he meaning God, uh, takes you serious. Uh, Because up to that point, you've probably been giving him lip service, (laughs) like I did uh, for many, many years. But when a man becomes serious and he says, okay, I surrender, and this takes a guy varying degrees of time, depending on how desperate he becomes, but Jesus works for desperate men. And a desperate man is a man of no rights. And so when he starts to understand that it's better for him in the long run and the short term to be a selfless man, meaning that he is to serve others, 
his wife to start with, God obviously, uh, his children, his employer, and so forth. When he starts to take this attitude, he then starts to experience the promises that God has promised him, his family, his community, and everyone that he influences. And this man then is on his way to becoming the greatest hero he could ever become in his life, whether it's his family, himself, his congregation, if he's a pastor or somebody in the church world, uh, his employer, uh, his friends, and so forth. This is a huge principle in the Bible. It's all throughout the Old and the New Testament. And uh, when we see how uh, we apply this to sex, he starts to experience this thing we've called God's best sex. Uh, and uh, for guys who are into pornography, uh, guys who are into illicit sex or uh, masturbating or they're out of control in some fashion with their sexuality, this is absolutely great news. Uh, the Bible's called the good news. Well, this is great news because uh, God has promised us that if we're struggling in this area or perhaps if you're a woman who has been impacted by this and you suspect or you know you've been betrayed in your heart and in your relationship, you're desperate for good news. And you're ready at that point uh, to, to be open to what God has for you. So when we talk about the very good news, uh, this also applies to a church who might be looking at their congregation right now and looking at how toxic sex has become a pandemic plague that's literally secretly and silently devastated their congregation, especially with the young people. And they're wondering, what do I do about this? Uh, or you're wondering, what happened to our growth? You know, our church is no longer growing. Uh, we don't have volunteers or our finances are down. Uh, or perhaps you're a pastor and you've struggled with this yourself. And um, you're just out of your mind, uh, with, uh, scared for uh, being caught. Because as a pastor, we're much, much different than the average man in the sense that uh, if we get found out, it's not just getting found out. It's it's uh, it's reputation. It's our career. It's it's just disastrous. So when we talk about this from the perspective of very good news, um, God makes this amazing promise, absolutely amazing, and it's all throughout the Old and New Testament where He says something very simple, which I believe He's saying right this second to not just individuals. He's saying it to our churches corporately, and he's saying it to our country. And it's very simple. Return to me, and I will return to you. And if you don't, I won't. If you want to do your own thing, I'll let you do that. But if you come to me, and you say, I surrender, and I want to do life a different way, he promises to be there for us, and then he promises to not hold our sins against us. He already knows what we've done, but for a lot of guys, we get this idea that God is there with a baseball bat ready to bash us over the head when we come to him and ask him for forgiveness. Uh, and maybe that's from our earthly fathers. We transfer that. But that's not God. That's a distorted idea of who God is. God is all loving. He's unconditionally loving. And then he says, in particular, that if you come to me, I will cleanse you, forgive you, and I'm going to set you on a new path that I have in store for you, a new direction a whole new way of doing life, and it's counterintuitive for most men. But he promises us this, and, and I would include women in that because a woman who's scared out of her death because she's been betrayed and she doesn't know what to do, this applies to you as well. And that is, God has set it up for an exchange. And he says, you give me your brokenness. You give me the impact of your toxic sex. You give me the betrayal, the pain that you're feeling. And 
Uh, I invite you to exchange that for my understanding as God the Father, uh, my unconditional love, my forgiveness, my healing, my transformation, uh, my restoration. And that restoration includes peace and a pr- uh, protection and provision. And, and when a guy or a gal says yes to this exchange or a church offers this to their congregation, God goes to work in ways in which we cannot comprehend. All right. <clears throat> Here's the $64,000 question. How do we get to that tipping point or that trigger point where an individual admits hey, I think I've got a problem. And I pose that because we get messages that drinking to excess, don't drink and drive, alcoholism, warnings all the time in society and culture that while we embrace drinking perhaps as Americans from a social level, uh, going out and getting three sheets to the wind, we do not. There are enough societal messages that say that. And yet, when it comes to this issue of sex, as we've been delineating in our conversation here today, Clay, the the positive reinforcements to the counterfeit behavior are all around us. So I, I would ask this question particularly for the wives listening, saying, look, I know my husband has a problem. How do I get my husband to admit he's a problem? In In... The AA program, the very first step is to admit you have a problem. How do you get to that tipping point? Yeah, a great question. Um, let me address it first from a wife's perspective. My dear wife has worked with thousands of women, and she's probably the wisest person I ever know that's a woman. Um, and she will say very, very clearly, you cannot control your husband. You cannot force him to do anything. The only person you can uh, change is yourself. Mm-hmm. So she did something profound. She wrote 20 questions, and it's on our website. And these are questions that uh, women uh, are desperate for the answers. And these are questions that uh, most women know. They're big questions. And uh, what they're seeking are the answers. And her material that she wrote is called The Healing Choice, the book that she wrote and workbook. And in that material, it helps her find the answer she is desperate to find. And in the process of doing that, what ends up happening is that she becomes very bold, very courageous, unlike anything she's ever experienced before because she's now dealing with a power that's greater than her. Well, and that's so important because otherwise the degree of guilt and shame can be so crippling. I mean, I would imagine a lot of the people that you meet with will say, well... I think he's turned to pornography, for example, because I'm not as pretty as I used to be. I put on some pounds. I'm 10 years older now, whatever excuse it is, real or imagined. And so there is almost a an attempted justification yeah. that, in a way, while it may not endorse the behavior, it empowers the behavior. That's right. And the truth of that matter is that God can give the husband and the wife, a new love for one another. It doesn't matter what she looks like, whether she's walking or not, or uh, weight or, you know, whatever it might be. I've experienced this personally. I've seen thousands of other people experience it. And this is one of the more exciting things about how God changes our heart and changes our mind so that we can become more like him. And of course, Jesus doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him what you look like, right? He loves you unconditionally, just the way that you are. Uh, And so 
this this is something profound for the woman to understand. Uh, don't justify it in your mind in that respect. You deserve more than that. God says you deserve more than that. You need to be respected and loved by your husband, served by your husband, taken care of and protected and prayed over by your husband. And this is so near and dear to me because I see so many men justifying just exactly what you said. I did it. I, I lived this life. I know exactly what that lifestyle is about. And it is so contrary to a selfless life uh, that God wants us to live. And with respect to the guy, let me just address that a little bit because it's so important for the guy to understand. You, you said to admit that he has uh, a problem is the first step. I, I'd say, yes, that's, that's important. But there's one other thing about that that's very, very, very important, and that is beyond the admission is uh, deciding that he truly is loved by God unconditionally. And I would add to that that there is this incredible life waiting for him if he taps on God's door and opens that door and invites God into his heart and into his life. A life that he cannot comprehend. He can try to comprehend it, but he's not going to come close to what God has in mind. So he has to decide, I believe, is the first step. And it's a little bit beyond admit, admitting that he has a problem. You know, a lot of guys admit they have a problem. They don't really care. Um, they just go on in life with the problem. But there comes a point in which a man has to decide that he deserves a better life than this. He, he deserves a life, uh, an abundant life, and not a life of being ripped off by the devil. And it's very, very sinister how this happens. So that, I believe, is the first step. The second step for a guy is at some point he's got to trust God that what uh, his word says is true, that he does uh, love him in unconditionally, that there is a better way of life, and that God's going to put some other people in his life to help him, other men, and, and that it's going to require a surrendering. And if he decides he wants to surrender to God, to this other way of life, and to other men to help him, he's on his way. And the only other thing he needs is a roadmap. Uh, every successful person follows a plan, and we developed a plan over 20 or so years to help men find out what in the world has caused this to happen in his life. Two big barriers oftentimes to getting to that point are guilt and shame how to address those, how to overcome those. We'll talk about that next. Our conversation today in studio, Pastor Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry founded along with his wife, Susan. Information again available on the web at avenue.works. That's the entire URL, avenue.works. W-O-R-K-S, Avenue.Works. You can also call toll-free 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. A brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation. Again, let me share that URL. You can get more information. They offer workshops, workbooks, seminars, all kinds of great resources to help you your loved one, your spouse, your family, your church, get on the road toward healing and coming back full circle, escaping the counterfeit and entering into God's perfect ideal for sexuality. Again, information available on the web, avenue.works. Don't look for .com, .anything. It's avenue.works, okay? You can also call toll-free at 877-326-7000. As always, confidential, and they're based right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
Secondly, Alan, let's talk about the stumbling block that oftentimes finds itself there, either for the injured party, the injurious party, uh, maybe a combination of both, and that is getting over a sense of guilt and shame. One feels perhaps maybe it's the, the victim full of so much shame, he or she, and let's be fair about this, it works both ways, feels that they can't talk to God, they can't go to the pastor, they can't bring this up in counseling because they are so overwhelmed by the shame of what they know has happened. And and added to that, perhaps, concerns about, well, gee, if this goes public, what would happen to my husband's career, our ministry, our family, things of this sort? And if not the shame, the sense of overwhelming guilt, that perhaps from the perpetrator's standpoint, and you began to touch on this prior to the break, maybe the perpetrator recognizes they're out of control, but they have crossed the line so far so often that God could never, ever fully restore them, that the just the amount of damage that's been done, the fire hose that's been taken to the root of the foundation of that marriage relationship has caused such severe damage. There's no way that God would ever forgive them that the notion of getting past that guilt is so enormous that there is simply, in their mind, no way that they could ever see restoration. It's a great point, Craig. And uh, the precursor of shame, of course, starts with silence. And this is what the devil counts on in order to um, be sinister and secret and uh, fester, uh, because as we are silent about this topic— and we don't shed light on it, the next thing that happens is it leads to secrets and harboring secrets. If you look in Deuteronomy 29, it says our secrets belong to God and God alone. And, uh, and so when we are silent and it leads to secrets, that then leads to shame. And this is precisely where the devil wants every Christian to live. And the reason is because of what you just said that you take on this attitude that you're defective, that you're somehow not measuring up, that if somebody really knew what I was into, they would reject me, and there is no way, especially God, would ever accept me. And, of course, those are all lies, and and the devil counts on you believing that through your self-talk and so forth. The the reason, the the main reason the devil wants Christians to live in shame is because when we live there, we become inauthentic. In other words, we have two lives, at least two lives, and uh, we're not transparent. And when we live two lives, we become ineffective for God's kingdom. The very first thing that happens for a man when he gets into wrong things sexually is his courage goes out the window. Because if he's hiding and he's secretive and he's believing that there's something shameful about him and uh, defective and so forth, uh, he will not be courageous for God. He absolutely will not take a risk for Jesus. And that's why the devil wants every Christian to live in shame. It goes for women, too, who aren't talking about the betrayal and so forth. So in this uh, cycle that I've talked about many, many times for pastors and church leaders, uh, there comes a point where in the process where uh, a person, after they act out or act in, will hit this what I call shame grid and guilt grid. Now, the shame we've talked about, uh, where the devil wants you to live, let's talk about the guilt for just a second. Guilt, in the, especially the context that you just described, is absolutely awesome. I know that sounds strange or counterintuitive, but if a guy or a gal is feeling guilty, it's actually a great sign that the Holy Spirit is working in their life, that they are being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something about it. 
And it's like a red flag goes up and God says, you know, this is the plan I have for your life. It's a straight line. And you've come off onto this little dirt patch uh, road over here somewhere off to the side. And I want you to get back onto the the road for your life that I've designed for you because that's where you belong. That's where the, the abundant life is. And so from a guilt point of view, it's a warning sign for a man or a woman to get back onto that track of his uh, God's purpose and destiny for his life. How do you do that? You break the silence. Now, you brought up something really, really important because uh, there are lots and lots of good organizations that are trying to help people in this area. However, there, uh, I, we believe very firmly that if, uh, if confidentiality is left out of the uh, way of helping somebody, that many people will stay, stay on the sidelines. They won't come out uh, and, and get help if there is a public meeting, for example, or if they're going to be shamed further. They just absolutely don't want that, especially a woman who's, who's been victimized. So we try very, very hard to have confidential, even anonymous groups uh, where nobody knows where you're meeting in person or uh, electronic mobile groups uh, over the phone or video conference. Nobody knows where they meet or how they meet or when they meet. And so it becomes very, very safe uh, and effective, I might add, uh, for somebody to get help that way. And then for them to start experiencing this thing we've been talking about, which is Christ's unconditional love. Uh, I, would, I would welcome anybody to look in Corinthians, for example, where God says, you know what? I don't hold your sin against you when you come to me. And that's so foreign for a guy. And yet it's so liberating. It's so freeing. Uh, and, and it's something that most guys have never experienced in their life. And we train our leaders to be that very thing. The most loving person that, per, that group member is going to know in their entire lifetime. And this is so critical because we know it's the, the most uh, catalytic healing uh, that a person can experience is when they experience an unconditionally loving leader in their life. I want to pause at that point. We're going to take a little early break here because when we come back, I want you to pivot to this topic of the road to restoration. How do we get on that road? What does that road look like? And what's the end game? What's our, what's our goal here? What's our destination? Clay Allen is with us today in studio, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry founded along with his wife, Susan. They're based right here in the San Francisco Bay Area, have been for many, many years. And you can get more information about them and the ministry resources available to you by going online to avenue.works. That's avenue.works. Or call 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. A timeout. We'll come back with more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to our conversation. We are in the first of a series of conversations with Pastor Clay Allen from Avenue. We are talking about the issue of sexuality today, and not only within the church and within the family, but within society, the difference between the societal counterfeit, which is prolific, prolific as we know, and God's ideal and what that looks like and how do we encounter that ideal. And most importantly, for those that have drifted from it, how do we find the road back? And that question, Pastor Alan, of getting on the road to restoration. Um, some people struggle with, well, where exactly do we find that road? Once we get on it, 
how do we understand what the ultimate destination is going to be? I mean, for some people, that's we, we, we turn back the clock and erase everything. Women listening would say, but wait a minute, you don't understand. This man publicly embarrassed me, brought guilt and shame to our, our family. I can't even hold my head up in church. Uh, knowing the way he's wronged me and sinned against me, I could never trust him again. So how do I go about hoping for restoration of my marriage relationship and a return to God's normalcy when I'm scared to death of what that might look like and what it asks of me? Yeah, great question. And the first response I would have for anybody listening to this who is struggling either as somebody who is involved with toxic sex or been betrayed, I would say run and get involved in one of our groups, get your material, start working the program, and you will see very quickly that you're going to have some answers that you never thought were possible. Uh, We serve a God that is just so amazing. And when we're on the topic of restoration, I have to take a pause and we have to do some fundamental explanation of this because you talk about counterfeit. Well, uh, there's a lot. I don't know that we could say it's counterfeit, but there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to God's restoration. And uh, and where it starts is there's two definitions of restoration. And so anytime you hear about restorative therapy or restorative this or that, I always ask the person, which definition are you referring to? And they look at me like I'm nuts. Uh, well, the, the two definitions are there's man's definition, which is when man restores something is to take that broken thing back to its original condition. And there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, it's very good. You break your arm, you break your car, et cetera. It's nice to have it back in the original condition. But you see, we serve a God that's so profound and so incredible, that's not even on his radar screen. Here's what God does when he restores. He takes that thing that's broken, and then he establishes something more and better than the original condition, but wait, he's not done. Just let that soak in for a minute. Uh, He always multiplies. He always makes something more and better than the original condition, and then he does it on an ongoing, dynamic, non-static basis. So if you crash the Ford Pinto and you take (laughs) it to the body shop and they promise you by the time it's done, it'll be back to good as new condition, that's man's ideal of restoration. God says, I'll do you one better. You're going to drop off that mangled, torn up Ford Pinto, and in return, I'm going to give you a brand new Mercedes. That's exactly right. And uh, that Mercedes is going to be self-driving. It's going to have all kinds of awesome electronics and so, so going, forth. Going, going not back to the point of, of injury, but going back to the point of God's ideal, which yes. also I think recognizes or acknowledges something very important here, and that is for most of us. We've never experienced that. We don't know what that is. That's right. Now, I'll give you four real quick examples of this in the Bible. There's many more, but these are just four. Um, Let's take Job for a minute. Job lost everything. And it says uh, that Job was restored by God. And it says that he was given twice as much when he was restored as when he had before. And it said the latter half of his, uh, his life was far better and more than the original part of his life, which is really an incredible thing to think about. Then you take David, the quintessential person in the Bible who committed adultery with a woman, murdered her husband uh, to make it uh, try to cover up his sin, and then he he repents of this when he is uh, busted by Nathan and saying, "Hey, you know what? We all know what what's happened here. So what are you going to do about it?" And got, and David got really really repentant. He if you look at Psalm fifty one for example, he says, "Oh my gosh!" And he's begging God uh, to restore him. And what happened is God answered his 
prayer and restored David. He sa- it says that he gave him a pure heart and a new spirit. And, and if you follow David's life, he had a son with that same woman. He had a, a, an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. His name was Solomon. And you follow Solomon's lineage, guess who comes out of that lineage? None other than Jesus. Jesus yeah. Now, you talk mm-hmm. about making a right, uh, you know, uh, making a right out of a wrong and, uh, and reversing it. That's profound when you look at that. Talk about restoration. How about Peter? the greatest uh, mess up in the in the new testament right he's told by jesus himself you're going to deny me uh and, and he goes ahead and does uh, the denial three times and when he hears the rooster he starts to weep and then jesus restores him uh at what one of my favorite places in the bible at the barbecue on the beach uh and <laughs> and, and and think about this though here you're jesus and you see peter coming to you who's denied you and Jesus doesn't say one bad thing to Peter. Like, hey, I told you you're going to deny me. I mean, that's what I would do and you would do maybe, but that's not Jesus, you see. And then, and then what does uh, uh, Jesus do? He, he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And then he builds his church on Peter, the guy who denied him three times. You talk about restoration. That's incredible. One more is Paul. Uh, you know, Paul was a, 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 a persecutor, a murderer of Christians. He then repents. God restores Paul. He becomes one of the, the greatest and most beloved followers of Jesus, writing over half the New Testament. Why am I bringing this up? Because in the New Testament, there's a verse that you and I, and there's no human being that can comprehend what this means. It's in Ephesians 3, uh, 20 and uh, 21, and it says, Now to him, God, who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, provide for us, according to uh, 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 him and uh, his glory and the church and so forth. So I, I want to just pause here in a second and look at those three words, exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So if you, uh, if you took all your hopes and dreams and desires, the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. So you take the next 10 years and you write them all down, you get them all down, and you distill them to a grain of sand, a microchip, little tiny thing. God says, I'm going to give you that grain of sand and everything that's on that list. And then, by the way, you know that, uh, that grain of sand? It came from a beach, and that beach has all these uh, grains of sand. And they have a whole bunch of other things that you've never even think about, thought about, hoped for. I'm going to give you that whole beach. And they've got all these grains of sand with all these awesome things. And, oh, by the way, I'm not done. The entire world has all these beaches, have all these grains of sand I'm, with all these ideas and all these wonderful things. I'm going to give that to you. You see, we're not capable of comprehending that. It's impossible. But this is what happens when God restores. And I'm living proof of it. And thousands and thousands of other people that we've helped are. And so when we look at this, the end game is when toxic sex takes over a person's life and they're involved in it, the very first thing that goes out the window is courage, as I mentioned, the vigor of that man, the strength of that man. There's an emasculation that takes place, a weakening of that man. Uh, the promises that God has for him aren't experienced. The peace, the joy, the happiness, the creativity, the wealth, the purpose, the significance and influence, his destiny all go out the window. And yet when he's restored, all of those come back into his life. And he becomes one of the strongest, courageous, most daring person for Jesus known to, to mankind, and his wife falls all in love with him all over again. And I'm saying that, yes, uh, to the ladies who are listening to this. You can fall 
back in love with him because he will become a new man. And for the men listening to this, you're going to fall re, uh, re-fall in love with your wife if you're married or see women in a different way because God is going to make you a hero of heaven. When, when you give him your toxic sex, he is going to give you that kind of res- restoration in return. So at the end of the day, this is not just simply the matter of seeing God restore that which the locusts have eaten, but in fact restoring that pasture or piece of farmland and then adding to that abundantly beyond your imagination multiple acreage over. It, it's a bit of a mind blower. I, we certainly acknowledge that. And that's the reason why we're just diving into the first of the series dealing with this topic. Listen, folks, we all recognize how distorted the notion of what God's ideal for the sexual relationship has become in society and in culture and quite frankly across the globe today and we could we could be here for hours pointing examples but the one that's probably closest to you is the one in your own life you know what's happening and the challenges that you're facing in your relationship in your heart in your secret thoughts in that quiet place when you're all alone by yourself nobody knows you but you in that fashion and maybe you've been in that place thinking god I feel like I'm on a treadmill, I want to get off, I don't know how to get off, and I don't know that there's any possible way to find healing and restoration. And the message that Clay has shared today is not only is there the notion of restoration, but not restoration from man's viewpoint, from an earthly viewpoint, not to just simply turn back the clock that once was, but to take you to a place that you've never been before based on God's ideal, God's perfection, God's will for your life and your marriage relationship. I'll mention that we will continue the series. This conversation tonight will be available on our podcast. If you go to kfax.com, you can check that out. John will have it up there around about 7.15 or so this evening, so you can catch tonight's program. And then I urge you to share it with others, and most importantly, make it a point to be with us next time. And uh, meanwhile, for folks, just in a, in a nanosecond, Clay, because we're running out of time here, resources available at avenue.works. What can folks find there? They can find uh, workbooks for the men, the healing workbooks, also workbooks uh, for the ladies, um, the women. They'll also find uh, leadership materials and resources, uh, the leader guides and the coaches that we have available to coach you. Uh, this is live coaching. This is not taped or anything. You can get in touch, and we can hold your hand through how you start this in your community, in your church. And uh, we have a private community on our website as well where you can uh, connect with other people uh, around the nation to, to be encouraged. And, again, I want to underscore, too, that they, with utmost care and respect, will protect your confidentiality, your anonymity. Because the point here is not to make a scene, but rather to bring about healing and restoration God's way. Our thanks to Pastor Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue. Information again available on the web at avenue.works. Don't add anything beyond that. Simply avenue.works. Or you can call them locally toll free at 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. Or again, online at Avenue. Dot works. Clay, we appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Joy to be here with you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.